With more and more money on the line in FGC esports, is character exploration being stifled in the name of playing to win with top tiers? Plus, we check in on the current general status of Street Fighter V, have gotten a response from Capcom concerning the current netcode situation, and talk about that snazzy new Smash Bros. controller that one lucky Evo Japan entrant is going to win this weekend, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. What's up? All right, so we're going to get right into this here. Is tier whoring more common than ever, ever, <laughs> due to pro gamers out there, due to people getting you know sponsorships, uh, wanting to win at the highest level, all this kind of stuff, and, and going right into it here, a lot of this is going to come down to the eyeball test because at this level of, of comparison, the stats certainly do not exist in the FGC. Uh, I've been around for a long time here. I've been doing this since Street Fighter II. Um, I have some knowledge of how this stuff works and how things have evolved in our community. Uh, I wish there were stats out there to like directly correlate this. There's not. So some of this is going to be the eyeball test, but there are also some, you know, philosophical approaches we'll just say with tear whoring right that 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 make it make a lot more sense mm -hmm. uh but we definitely want to hear back from our listeners out there like how they feel about it you know are are, are we old men yelling at clouds out here or like what's going on uh can and, you and elaborate there. on uh i've heard old men yelling at clouds and mm -hmm. uh, i should know it but i don't can you yeah, it's from The Simpsons. It's uh, uh, Homer's dad. I forget his name. And uh, there's like a newspaper clipping of him like yelling at a cloud. Basically, it's like, you know, old men being cranky about anything. Right. Oh, okay. uh, and of course, that's that, this evolved from memes of like, you know, cloud and like smash Four because he was such a great character. And it like had him like yelling at cloud and all that. Just oh, you, that, was a, that was a deep reference for me. Then. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, there you nice. go. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for me. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I think there was previously more value and having street credit and putting your, your stamp on a character or a set of characters um, before in fighting games. And now there's a lot of incentive to place as high as you can because of prize money and sponsorships. And placing high in FGC tournament, you know this very well, meant maybe walking home with a few hundred dollars previously. If you were lucky. If you were lucky, yeah. you got that, right? Uh, and now you could be walking away with a few hundred thousand dollars. Now you could pay your rent. Yes, yeah, uh, pay, buy a house, you know, yeah. kind of thing, like uh, a whole big difference and whatnot. I, I think what the classic story is, is like you would win an FGC tournament and like you'd get like 50 bucks and then you'd have to take all your friends out like at Denny's or buy whatever. Buy shops or whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you actually didn't win anything. Like you just, you you were the person who had to pay for the meal for your friends at that point. So, I mean, it, that, that was common. That's what we did, right? <laughs> that, this is what would happen. But um, anyway, so... If a few hundred thousand dollars are on the line, this is naturally going to lead people to picking characters that they think can get the job done, right? Well, a few uh, hundred thousand dollars, or I would I would add a really nice controller, but we'll talk about that yeah, later. Oh, yeah, yeah, poor, poor Smash fans, but yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so there's, there's plenty of evidence that you don't need to pick who everyone thinks is a top tier to win at the highest level. I mean, the first thing that my mind mm -hmm. thought up when you brought this up was, well... Idom just won the most expensive tournament or the the biggest payout fighting game tournament to date with Laura and Poison. So, bleh. Ex exactly, exactly. It, it's it's 
the thing about that though is it's just that players in this era are probably more inclined to pick those those tier whore characters because of financial incentives. How many people did we see pick up Rashid? How many people did we see pick up Akuma and all yes. that kind of stuff? Yes, yeah, and those two exactly from Oil King and NL. Oil King in his interview with us directly said, "Like I'm I'm here to entertain people for sure. I'm we- I wear the shorts, but I'm also here to win. And and that like I'll I'll do whatever it takes. And if Rashid gets too nerfed." Maybe I'll try to stick with him for uh, secondary matchups or special matchups, but I'm going to go to someone that's going to win, you know? And and yep. he, and then he pointed to NL, his his training partner and teammate, who's jumped to top tiers, like, without any kind of shame, and, and he doesn't need to. Like, it's a completely valid thing to want to win and win this money. That totally makes sense. Yeah, and so that's a big crux of my argument there is that in the past – there was a lot more street cred, like, hey, I want to be like the best Chun-Li or DJ player or whatever, you know, out there. And that had its appeal because you were basically playing for pride, right? Like, we were not playing for any kind of, like, substantial amount of money. And yes, winning a tournament was a big deal and still is a big deal. But it's an even bigger deal back then when you win it with a character that people have to put respect on your name with, right? Mm-hmm. And, and now that respect is like, hey, I want a quarter of a million dollars. Eat it. You know, I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? It's um, the incentives are quite a bit different. And to me, this makes game balance take on extra high stakes here in 2020 because of the pro tours that you have centered around this stuff like competitive balance of characters being very viable and whatnot. It is a whole different set of stakes because you have players that are just going to exploit the systems as much as humanly possible because they're incentivized to do that. That is what they are geared to do. Absolutely. And and, and in like right now as well, the with the, how quickly the information travels, people are figuring out the dumb stuff and spreading it. The the powerful stuff, the best strategies, the best setups, how to they're optimizing characters and getting them into that like we're closer to that quote-unquote final tier list that the game ends up with much faster so you're not seeing as the slow progress where maybe one character who actually ends up being mid-tier overall because people figure out some kind of a counter or something like that um they they stay at the top a lot longer a couple years back when people didn't figure out how to beat them so quickly or or i mean the inverse could be true as well but point is like we're figuring out uh we're getting a more refined idea of these characters a lot more rapidly and that's going to educate people to to go in the certain directions pick the characters that are strongest and um yeah yeah game balance is is kind of a a bit of a um a a very large subject subject that we talked about like quite a bit here on the podcast so we're going to continue to do so and and we have a later segment here we're going to get more into it but uh i want to again just address how people would feel if you're in the shoes of you know the oil kings or you know the uh, big birds and stuff out there um I'm, i'm apparently just you know naming Rashid players because that's what's on my mind, right? But if you just recently became a sponsored player and now this is your job, which route are you going to take? What which route, like it's easy for us to call out people out there and say, oh, you know what? You're just a a scumball Rashid player or whatever and stuff. Well, this is now your job. And, And if you're a person who fears consistently coming up short because your character can't get the job done, who are you going to pick? You know, it, it, it's that that is like has to be resonating in your mind. And, and now you go back to the item argument. You say, you know what? Yes, you can pick Rashid. You can pick Bison. You can pick Akuma. You can pick all these other characters. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the level of success that you're looking for. And, and throughout history, there are a bunch of examples of this falling apart, actually, for the, the best of players. And one of the examples I cited recently was Daigo picking up Yun 
in Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. Um, that was the hands-down best character in the game. And you watched Daigo get pieced out of tournament after tournament until he went back to the Shoto characters, who were generally considered lower tier than Yun in a lot of these games, um, and and just kind of not as good, but they fit his style so much more. Well, but, I mean, he, he made top eight at Evo with Yun. He did. He did well. He just wasn't the best. He was not the a top end player. And so yes, that that character can get you over a lot of humps and whatnot. But the the success levels that you have with a character who fits your style and approach is usually quite a bit more. Uh that's usually what history shows. It's like when Luffy won uh Evo, he won it with Rose. Rose got a bunch of buffs and whatnot to get in there, but he had been playing Rose all along. It wasn't like he just switched over to her and whatnot. Uh the characters, the players that you see having success, they're often playing those characters who either fit their style to a T, who got strong, or like they've been playing them for quite some time to have that success with them. Fair. So now uh, again, uh you it's very important that you just don't go and jump to a, a top tier character uh, who doesn't match up with like your DNA, right? Uh, um, getting into this a little bit more, um, I'll throw out here that we had Kami and Fei Long in Super Street Fighter 4. And those characters were sitting there as very good. I, I think it was a uh, player named Enthal who was playing Fei Long and kind of put that character on the map for a, a lot of players out there, a lot of the scene, I should say. Um, and then I remember Sako picking up Super Street Fighter 4 Kami. Uh, both those characters in Vanilla Street Fighter 4 were considered to be garbage. Yeah, like the lowest um, of the low. Yeah, and, and so they got a few buffs and whatnot, and it took like maybe a year or two for people to actually pick them up and start playing them. And now, of course, you know we look at Feilong and Kami in Street Fighter Four, and those two of the best characters in the history of that game, right? And so, how much were people sleeping on those characters and not even giving them a try? Uh, and, and you know, obviously, when you see a pro player use a character like that, they're going to jump up the tier rankings quite a bit, right? Even the pros sleep on top end characters until they see what can be done. And Japan does that a lot, man. I think Japan put, uh, don't quote me for sure, but one, Japan did not put G up there at all and has only, I don't even know if they actually have come around yet. I haven't seen a tier list with him uh, that I can remember way up there. But they sleep on G and they also slept on Laura back in like season two when she was stupid. Yes. Uh, it, it was like, yeah, Japan. Japan's great. Don't get me wrong. They win everything. They're, they're awesome. But sometimes they're whack. And, and I would I would extend that even further out in Japan and say this is a global issue. How many characters? How many people do we see sleeping on? Again, we all slept on Laura here in season four, uh, um, except for again. I I think that Punk's training partners, uh, I, I Punk. I'm sorry, Idom's training partners. Um, uh, would, which one of them is Punk actually? Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think there's a, a a chance on the planet that they did not have Laura higher up than most other competitors did. Like, I, I think they understood by watching Idom and playing against him regularly, they're like, hey, this character is being severely underrated. I don't know it for a fact, but I mean, it, it, it just, it, it, once you see what a character is fully capable of consistently, you're, you're going to go, oh yeah, that character is actually quite good. You know, I've played Idom two or three times online. I don't run into him very often because it's, it's coast to coast, and I probably shouldn't run into him very often because it's coast to coast. But when I did play him, it was... You know, I I think I took rounds and such. I might have taken a game here and there. I don't remember. And this was over the last couple of years. But I remember specifically feeling like seeing where once Laura popped V-Trigger, the way he could lock you down 
with the the setups that he had would cover more than two like one option of your escape so like it maybe you you want to jump back or block or you know whatever there are certain situations like with mika's v trigger one where you're so locked down that like your only option out is to do like an an exdp at the right moment and if mika attacks which she probably is going to because you can't like escape like the command grab versus the nadeshko falling on top like laura has that kind of stuff in her v trigger as well where she covers up so many options and it felt like of course once this character gets v trigger uh it was like it, it was almost always a wrap it was very much in his favor and it felt like i was locked down the thing was getting there he's an exceptionally patient footsies player because you have to be in order to make that character work he's good on both mm-hmm. ends but uh like that there were clearly weaknesses in the character design of laura where you could maul her and you could probably zone her pretty effectively and that's what held her back so like Yes, she is definitely a robbery character, man. Like, it all comes down to her being able to put you in the blender once V-Trigger 1 is activated. But um, you have to have, like, you have, that's not enough with, with how much the character can do. It's not enough to get there. And Idom has figured it out and, and shown yeah. us. And, and he absolutely inspired that that feeling in me. I don't know how much I said that. I know I've, I've always thought Laura was a little better than than mid-tier and not necessarily amazing but the fact that she can always maybe beat you once v-trigger pops up it, like that's you can't ignore that and that puts her up there automatically to a certain floor where she's not going to go below and you said you can't ignore that but we we collectively as a community we did we we did ignore that and we weren't accounting properly for the character's strengths and i mean i'm sure i don't you know, had multiple people tell him hey why aren't you playing mika dude like, Mika's a way better version of Laura. Why don't you do that? And I don't know his answer to it. I would just assume that he's like, you know, Laura fits me better, right? Like, I can do more of the stuff I want to do with this character. And it is such a bad habit and, and people in the FGC giving bad advice of, well, just pick a higher tier character. That That's clearly the solution here. The, the solution is not to to outthink and to grow with what your you know character could do. It's just pick a better tier character. And the track records at the highest levels of play for someone dropping a character they love for someone who's just better on paper are very questionable you can look at it through throughout the time of people doing it. i remember pr balrog uh dropping balrog to play fei long yeah, and, and andy ryu and neither one yeah and, and, and he had much better success with balrog because balrog fit who he was that is what he did again i just mentioned daigo you can look up and down at people dropping uh, a main who fit them very well for someone better on paper and the results there like off the top of my head i cannot think of people having success at that level like having uh, the highest levels of success i should say uh, and and oftentimes they're having worse success overall because they just don't have that that perfect marriage right that 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 matchup that you want between uh, character and player, and, and there it is. Yes, uh, there's there are certainly a fair number of examples where that that's backed up. But then, like, what about like Knuckle Do, where he kind of floats around to yes. whoever? Like, he's like, oh, Cammy, sure, I'll get a pocket Cammy. Yes. Oh, G, sure, I'll get a pocket G. Oh, and I also always have Guile and Armika to fall back on. When did he play Mika? When she was amazing in season one. When did he grab Guile? Seasons two and three. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, and 
And but he, maybe he's one of those characters or those players, kind of like Infiltration, who makes people work. And actually, Infiltration doesn't necessarily fuck to the top tiers. He goes to like the mid low tiers and shows everybody that they're better than you thought. So. And that's exactly it. Yes, it's they, when you're talking about someone like, and I'm glad you brought those two players up because they're they're great examples of what we're talking about. They are not necessarily playing top tiers. G last season was probably not a top tier character. It, you could argue he was, but I, most people had him somewhere around like the ten spot, right? That's really good. You know, they're not they're not dabbling with like Ed or Falk or something like that. They're they're still staying in a you know pretty high end character uh, bracket there. Um, but you know, uh, infiltration stuck with Manat even last year. Uh, he, he wasn't playing her much because of the ban and all that kind of stuff but he's still stuck with the character even though she had fallen off quite a bit and is still playing her now um, and she's maybe a mid-tier character or whatever because that character fits his overall style quite a bit you know um, despite her tier ranking being whatever it is and again that's the whole point is um, Guile and Mika I think Guile's probably pretty good now Mika I'm not 100% sure about um, Cammy's kind of wherever and whatnot but they, those are those are counter picks those are characters that you can kind of do more stuff with and whatnot. Um, I think that like with Punk, looking at, at Chun-Li, that's still a very footsie-based character. Like he could have ran over to Rashid or someone else, right? Who's someone who just skips the neutral, doesn't play in it and whatnot, and, and ran with that character. He didn't. He, he still sticks with footsie-based characters because he ultimately knows that's where his main strength is at as a player, and I think it's what he enjoys. He loves that with punishing stuff. He, he really you know, gets into it. Uh, same thing with Daigo and like Shoto Fireball characters. We talked about it last week. Daigo is... How often do you see Daigo just flat out rush down with a character or play a grappler or do any of that kind of stuff? He doesn't really do it. He he's a very footsie setup and then yellow DP character. Our player, <laughs> I should say. That that's what he does. And he's great at it. It's like if you're great at something, why, you know, why be the Michael Jordan of basketball and then go play baseball? Right? Like I mean you could do that and you could be okay at it, but I don't you're know, not. That sounds like a pretty Michael Jordan move there. <laughs> so I that's what I kind of look at with this. It's like you you really do have to find a match that that's not only, you know, strong overall, but like really fits who you are as a player. And I'm again if the pros are doing it, I think this is applicable to all players in the FGC. Um Again, if you're playing, you know, season four Ed or something, yeah, you're you're gonna struggle. Yeah, you're you're really gonna struggle. You're gonna have a lot of problems with that. But but yeah, there it is. Hey, hey, if you're playing season five Ed, now it's it's starting to look like uh, clear skies. Yeah, and we're gonna see some Ed players freaking coming out of the woodworks who who you know uh, have put in the time with the character and start doing really well. So well, didn't so infiltration is. start to uh, wreak yes. havoc with him? At, was yes. it Red Bull Kumite? Yeah, it's and we're gonna see a bunch of other too. I think uh, John Tuck Uchi or someone else is playing him. I I forget the, the Rashid players who have migrated to which characters. Um, but uh, but there it is. Do you think so. Ed would be a hype character to have to see like often in tournament? I I mean I like him. I, I played against him at Capcom Cup. I play against him a lot online. Uh, even in season four, I think he was a very popular character. Yeah, he I, is. I think he's fun. Um, I, the only thing about Ed is he's a bit stupid now with uh, how they they made his um, uh, machine gun punch. The psycho flicker. Uh, he just does it over and over and over yeah. again, right? Yeah, so that's a little bit like I think that Ed is one of those characters who's going to be really hyped for like the first three or four months, and then we're going to be like, oh crap, this that's guy what is. I'm worried about. Yeah. If he's all over the place, and we're like, okay, Psycho Flicker is stupid, stop doing it. But it's like, oh no, there are there. Dude, you got to be honest. In the era of esports, there are characters that you would hope to be on top, and there are characters that you don't want to see all that often that aren't just mm-hmm. all that visually interesting and such and i'm not saying it's that but i'm saying he's definitely suspect and i'm a bit wary but i don't think he's actually going to be good enough to be one of those characters i think he went up from the bottom but he's 
probably like I don't think he'll necessarily be top tier. That's a long way to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think he's I think he's got a good shot at being like kind of the upper mid. You know, like where he's definitely a presence in tournament now. Um, but again, when you see pros drop a character and what we just talked about. And, and go to someone like Ed, you go, okay, what am I not seeing all the way here? Because it, it's rare for that to happen. Uh, the pros only pick a handful of characters, and usually those characters they think are very, very, very good. So um, so Ed has definitely got that potential. Uh, it's, it's always one of the signs I read into a lot. Are you still running into Rashid players online like you like you were like in last season? Or uh, are you- Nowhere near the amount. I, 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 I want to say the population's dropped by about 50%. Isn't that awesome? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. Like I one that was a bad match for Monat and two I just hated playing against Hey, you Monat. know, it was yeah. a bad match for everyone, so <laughs> Yeah. So it sounds like you're seeing the same thing, right? I don't know, man. I can't freaking play the game online oh, right now. Oh. Cuz yeah, I'm a proud owner of a PS4. Yeah. Uh, we probably are going to get into that here in a little bit, but yeah. so we'll go ahead and finish up on this in real fast. But um, I, I will say, uh, you know, we just talked about, you know, not picking just a top tier character on paper and all that. I will also add the other side of the coin here, in my opinion, is that it's very rare where you see someone win at the highest levels when that character is not in the viable tier. It happens. It is rare, but there's kind of a viable tournament tier that characters can fall into, and I think you have to kind of hit that mark. Like again, one of the examples is like Snake Eyes with Super Street Fighter Two Turbo uh, HD Remix. He won with Zangief. Zangief, I think, is at either near the very bottom of the tier list, or I, no, he's either at the very bottom or near it. Right? Uh-huh. He is one of the worst characters in the game, but he won Evo with him. So. I will throw that out there. Um, I generally think the characters need to fall into a viable tier to win in tournament. Uh, and, and we'll have some examples here of this. But yeah, a lot of ways to peel the apple. Uh, but just you know, picking a top tier doesn't mean you're going to have great results. Uh, style and approach, huge parts of the equation. You know, So, so try to remember that. It's, I, I, just, I see too many people get stuck on the, like, my character isn't good enough to win. And it's like, it probably is. You know, you know like what it is? Like yeah. I can speak to the, I think the particulars of why there's a difference between when you have the character that you jive with that goes with your style versus the character that you know is good. And it also kind of comes down to the um, the traditional kind of street fighter poet versus scientist thing that I talk about every so often where you play either by the numbers and you know what's good in the frame data or you play by heart. And when you play by heart though and you really get into it and really explore it, I would argue argue that there is more potential there than there is by the numbers the numbers are very important and and you'd be you'd be dumb to skip over them as a resource using them as a resource but when you play a character that jives with you you're able to it's it's almost like you continue you continue to um, become more and more efficient and you see like in more detail little things where like the block stun of certain moves starts to feel a certain way and suddenly you can begin to predict like when to to consistently do certain unsafe moves at certain spaces just because they're especially efficient for some strange reason that you might not even know how to articulate quite yet but you feel mm-hmm. those little things and i think about pr balrog and like his ability to like headbutt, like like interrupt strings with headbutt is one of the most hype things or like the turnaround right. punch, doing like little invincible moves um, that like made his Balrog like stand apart from the rest. And it's like, he just felt it right. And that was such an example of like, 
PR Balrog's reads in the neutral as well as on Oki, like when to jump, when to turn around punch on both defense, offense, and in the neutral were so impressive. And, and, and that was what was required to take Balrog to the levels that he took, like the top eight at Evo levels, because no one else was really doing that with the character. There were a few strong yeah. Balrog players, but no one was like PR Rog. And I think it's because it resonated. And then for him to go to these other you know, characters, he's playing them, I would probably argue, I would guess, much more by the book, because he's been attracted to them because of the book. Right, that they're they're doing well. Other people are able to do stuff with them. He can see why they would be able to make like a certain setup and be in a good like 50-50 option. And you can play the numbers. And hey, if they're a good character, play the numbers. You're gonna win a lot of the time. But he doesn't have that little oomph that comes with just having that perfect like marriage with the character in your in your emotion or whatever it is. So yeah, yeah. And, and keep in mind, I mean, his name is Pierre Balrog, and, and <laughs> most people in, in the community know him and still know him. Like he had that big run in Street Fighter Four. He's done some stuff in Street Fighter Five. Like he's not, you know, completely not known, but like he put his name on the map, and pretty much everyone still knows him as a player, right? And it's like he he had that perfect marriage of character and other stuff. And it's like, look, your your brand, your image is a thing in the FGC. That is what most sponsors are going to be looking for, and that's why they're going to pick you up. Like. This all this stuff works together. Like it's not just about the wins. The wins are huge and very important. You have to have success there. But there's so much. It's multifaceted. Like all the stuff we're talking about. There's so much to look into, um, and it ultimately comes down to like you know just don't go along to get along. Don't just like you know be a sheep and follow what everyone else is doing. Like there's there's a lot of good reasons to be yourself and, and to promote that and work on that. It's in life and in fighting games and all that. There's there's a lot of success to be found. But if you're a pro and you want to win, then maybe be a little bit of a sheep and pick up the dumb characters because, hey, it's $250,000 at the end of the day, the end yeah, of Capcom Cup, you but, know, so. But I mean, just as we covered it, like most people doing that aren't winning. You know, it's most people are, are not having success doing it. Some, you know, some definitely are, um, but but a lot of people are, are so not doing well So you're saying Bonchan should play Sagat? I, uh, Bonchan, okay, so, so Bonchan in particular, he is a, a very footsie control-based player. Um, and he did play Sagat throughout the year and actually had decent success with him in some matchups, right? And he was like the only Sagat player doing much of anything. Um, and he was winning big tournament matches with that character. So I, I think there's some validity what, to what you're saying, but the only problem with Sagat potentially is like, I don't know if he's viable enough for the tournament scene. And, and he is a character I do question that with where, uh, especially with what Bonchan has said, it's like, man, if Bonchan can't make him work at, at the highest of levels, I don't know who can, right? Um, and so that is the one argument I would have against Sagat. But then again, you know, you can play characters that are very controlling and footsie based that are better than him and be fine. I'm so. pretty sure the reason, like the, the general problem with Sagat in 5 for what he was in 4 and why Bonchan was able to make him work so well in 4 and, and hasn't been the same, uh, reached the same levels of success in 5 is because of the character's sort of movement speed generally and ability to get to the positions that he wants to get to on the screen and use his powerful zoning from those positions. And that, that goes right into the ability to control the space, like very hardcore. It might not be the first thing that you think of, but just how fast that tiger knee like recovers and how far forward it moves mm-hmm. uh, so that he can start throwing the um, you know the next tiger shot or, or or zone you with another normal it's like that's the huge thing and I think that's what's the the difference maker in this game gotcha gotcha actually and since we're getting into it now um, with character balance I did want to talk about why that is so important to variety 
Uh, and this story actually comes from an older game of, of all things, uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, which is a game that people put up on this giant pedestal for how amazing and stuff it was. Uh, but Daigo was talking about this recently, and he said that it was an impossible matchup for Ryu to beat Chun-Li in Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. And this definitely was not the case, right? But it was a pretty hard matchup. Uh, Umahara outright said that if Chun-Li was not uh, what she was in Third Strike, he actually would have played Ryu. And and just so people know, like Chun was typically thought as like a 3-7 matchup against Ryu. That's not good. That's certainly not impossible. But for a tournament-level player, that 3-7 might be impossible because guess how many Chun-Lis you're going to be facing when you play in tournament? You know, oh, yeah. guess how many times like you're going to be looking at that. And then you start going, yeah, that actually does look impossible because at some point in time, you're just going to fall apart because you fought your fifth Chun-Li in a row. Right. Mm-hmm. So Ryu in that game was mid-tier uh, while Chun-Li was top tier, probably the best character in the game. Most people say that there are some arguments for Yun um, that it's funny how that argument shifted like away from like Yun being the best character to like to being hands down. It's Chun-Li. I, I don't know where I fall on that. I think it's Chun-Li, but I, the way that people were so hands down, it's definitely Chun-Li like kind of like irks me a little bit still. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think Yun's much closer to her overall uh, than people give uh, that cre- character credit for. But anyway, so Ryu was generally seen as just outside of the viable tournament tiers in Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Probably often placed around ninth overall, and that's out of 19 characters. Uh, so yeah, there were about eight tournament viable characters in that game. Some people had Ryu in there, some people didn't. Uh, oftentimes he was not. Um, so you would see him in tournaments. Um, but again, much more definitely on the rare side uh, is where Ryu fell at. So Daigo didn't feel like he could compete against Chun-Li and that Ken was a better option for him. But he even felt that Ken was not enough, actually. And Ken not being enough in Third Strike shows you how much of a tears enthusiast that Daigo is. Yeah, I think that's reflecting on Daigo more than it is the game because I think Ken's enough. Yeah, so uh, Ken versus Chun-Li, another 4-6 matchup there. Definitely, you know, better than Ryu. Uh, Ken could compete, at least. You know, Chun-Li definitely had the advantage, but, but there it is. So... And where I'm going with this is people hold up Third Strike on this ridiculous pedestal, even though the game had super poor balance overall. We're talking about less than half of the cast being tournament viable. Um, And just like, I mean, seeing the same characters, like the two dominant characters in this game, uh, Chun-Li and Yun, over and over and over again. And this is an example here of how poor that balance hurts variety. Ryu is a character that Daigo wanted to play. Outright said he would play if Chun-Li did not exist. He feels loyalty to the character for for a variety of reasons. And it's a style fit, right? Like Ryu, it fits like what he wants to do, but he couldn't use him because, hey, he's a pro player, can't do it. So instead of of being able to use a character he wanted to play and taking the game seriously in that way, um, he has to move on to a character who can be competitive because Ryu's outside of that viable tier. Mm -hmm. And this is where... Um, this is where modern fighters have to get it right. They can't have these scenarios, and we have seen these scenarios come up. We have seen characters be too damn dominant, and people cite stuff like Third Strike, and they go, oh, well, you know, like Chun-Li was great in that game, Yun was great and whatnot. I'm like, that is not a good example to hold up. That is not a good thing to have happen here in 2020. We need better balance than this. And... It's just so important that we keep the watchability, we keep the variety, we keep all this stuff going on, and people who argue against it, I say, oh yeah, well how about Rashid and Akuma in season four? How often were you getting tired of seeing that same bullcrap matchup over and over and over again? And we have to stick it to these developers who are letting balance go. 
you know, and they're not updating their games often enough. They're not being conscientious enough to alter the game balance and say, hey, we need better variety here. They're certainly a hell of a lot better than they used to be by by far. I mean, again, I just gave people an example why, but still it is not good enough what we are seeing from pretty much all developers out there in terms of balance and variety in games. It's gotten better. It's still not good enough. I think when we compare Street Fighter 3 to what we're seeing right now with Street Fighter 5 in the way that we're comparing it, it's important to take into account why the characters that are strongest in each game are the strongest characters, how they're getting to that point. I have no disagreement that Chun-Li is amazing because her footsies are very, very, very powerful and significantly, she has significantly more options, more resources, better tools to play that game and that's why she floats to the top because she's best at playing the game that's most efficient in the uh, the realm of Street Fighter 3 and, and you would want to balance her further but... I would say that she's at least playing in the same realm as the other characters who are also widely trying to play some form of, of, of a footsie kind of based game. Where in Street Fighter V, you have this sort of divide where a lot of the stronger characters uh, may or like are not playing that. Karen did last season for sure. And, and everyone plays it to a certain extent. But the things that people are winning with are fairly cheap in that they don't feel earned even less so than scoring a crouching medium kick into a super confirm with Chun-Li and Third Strike, which is easier to do, arguably, than with just about any other character in the game. So she actually has an advantage, but you still have to do that, as opposed to sweep into plus activation 50-50 that's going to lead into some vortex stun of death, which gets kind of you know boring and, and cheap after a while so when comparing them i think you have to keep that in mind because mm-hmm. that's that's a significant part of how audiences are processing it yeah and a big thing for me is why design all these awesome characters with new and unique play styles if people can't even use them at the highest levels of play and yep. yeah it's like oh okay this is great uh, uh this is ryu he's got the the dungeon hodoken and and third strike it's an unblockable you've got these great setups and whatnot and Daigo is outright saying here that Chun-Li kicked Ryu out of even being viable in Third Strike. And Daigo, his matches, his presence, um, everything about it, he's still one of the more notable people in the entire FGC to this very day. And so him choosing to play the same old characters that everyone else does, that's a big deal. That means, again, we, we talked about the poster boy, Ryu, not even being a presence in Street Fighter V basically since Season 1. And, and like Akuma kicking him to the curb and a bunch of other things and whatnot. And again, I have to give Capcom credit here. I do believe that Ryu is going to have a presence now in uh, season five of the game. That's a big deal. But we just can't let this crap happen overall. It, it hurts sales. It hurts DLC sales. It's like, well, hey, there's a brand new character out. Well, the character sucks. Why am I going to play? Again, it hurts viewership. You're giving an overall weaker product and whatnot. And, and this is a 20-year-old game here we're talking about here with Third Strike. 20 years ago. We should be better than this now. That's my main takeaway. It's like, look, th- these lessons are out there. We, we have experience with them. We have knowledge of them. This is not rocket science. And, and so I, I'm harping on this very hard and people are probably going, okay, well, what's your freaking solution, jerk? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> That's fine. And, and one of my solutions is this. Why are we not tweaking the games more often when it comes to dominant top tiers? I'm not saying massive overhauls to the entire game like we get with it, you know, each season and whatnot. But when big time top tier characters emerge, 
why are we not knocking them down a peg or two when we know that Cammy is a problem? When we know Akuma is a problem? We, when we know Rashid is running rampant? Why are we not throwing a few extra tweaks out here every two months or so to uh, knock these characters because down? Because we're not even talking... <laughs> well, okay, last season is because we weren't even talking to the people about anything every two months or so. Uh, but you're also working on your Intel World Open. You're working on... Uh, well, probably now fixing up some netcode woes. You're working on releasing your new characters back in the day. Like, uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on that obviously got higher priority. Um, and I don't disagree with you. I think that that should be a thing. But I think you're also worried about the whole NRS from Mortal Kombat X's earlier days, not uh, just just having you know balance patch after balance patch. But yeah, I'm, I maybe try it that way because this way kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's it sucks when characters emerge and they're dominant for long periods of time, and they're dominant to the point where they're they're making other characters not valid, and and, and it ruins it hurts the game. Who wants to play fifty Rashids in a row, you know, and, and lose to the same just do it crap and whatnot? And you can hurt Rashid. Rashid just got hit pretty bad, and you could have done one or two of those tweaks before that happened, and still the character would have been knocked down a peg or two, and we would have had a more interesting season. We would have had much more things going on. There's again all this incentive for pro players and other players to just pick the cheap stuff, right? And so that cheap stuff is going to be dominant in our community because people ultimately want to get the cheap stuff and win with it right um we just yeah. established why that is you know not necessarily the best path path to go on but still the masses are going to do it because the masses don't know any better and and so we have fighting game history at our fingertips your own fighting game history and third strike again one of the more revered games in, in our community ever we know this is a bad thing Let's fix this and make it better for, you know, now, now that we know better, let's do better. Let's be better. Let's be proactive about this stuff and, and knock it down before it becomes a massive problem and not wait for, you know, a 0.5 or whatever, you know, <laughs> do the tweak or two to Akuma, Kami and Rashid, you know, or whatever, whatever characters end up emerging as top, you know, but there it do is. Do you become afraid of becoming such a, like a, just a leaf in the wind of whatever social media is saying would we'll just quickly change things up and, and maybe not give stuff enough time to breathe though? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a reasonable argument to make. And that's been an issue in the past, as you mentioned, the NRS games, but now we've overcorrected. We have gotten to the point now where we're so afraid of those minor tweaks sure. and, and adjusting stuff that we let stuff stay dominant for far too long. And, and yeah, that's the other side of the coin. And so, but just don't overcorrect that much. You know, like you can find a middle ground that's better than what we're at right now. And, and, and these characters dominating for long periods of time is unhealthy for our games. It it's is a not pendulum good. process, right? Like exactly. you're going to go to one extreme. We found where it was too far. NRS, that approach was too much. Okay. Note that. Put a little tick mark on that part of the line and go, okay, now we've gone on to this side and it seems like this is too far in the other way. So little tick there. It's somewhere in between that. And if you have the ability to update, like, yeah, it might get a little annoying and it might, uh, I mean, it, maybe it's maybe it's the lesser of two evils in a sense. Maybe it's not the lesser, but I think it is something worth trying. We do need to move toward, you know, back towards the other way a little bit and find out where that perfect balance is because we have the ability to update, right? Mm -hmm. And you can do it on a more nuanced level because maybe you, like there's a character that's way out in ahead. Let's say Akuma's way out ahead of the pack. You know he is. Well, when you're doing it this way, it's every year, unless they do a 0.5 and they haven't done that in like two years now, right? So uh, they, it's like every year there's this huge mass of changes. And I can tell you like, how are you going to be able to 
plan or, or, or foresee exactly what the effects of this change is when you have to also consider that everyone else changed in different ways. It's almost impossible. You can get a general idea, but if you're doing one little tweak at a time, it's like, okay, I liked it when they when they changed Akuma's knee, you know, and that was one yeah. of those ninja tweaks just out of nowhere, just just somewhere randomly in the in the middle of the year. They made it so it wasn't as plus on block. And that was just a little tiny tweak. Let's see how that echoes with the character for like two months. Maybe it's enough. Maybe it's not. It's not. Okay, a little tiny something else. And you can just, you can do these little micro turns of the knob, which are going to help you get to a good place much more, well, rapidly, even though it's a slow process, than a big crank one way, and then a year later, a big crank in the other direction. Meanwhile, a million other knobs are being turned as well. And I think you can get... I'm not saying you can get to perfect balance, but it seems like with the resources that we have, you could get a lot closer, a lot quicker doing stuff like that. Yeah, and speaking of resources, Capcom has data all up and down for matches that are being played. They've got the CPT. They know how stuff is working at the highest levels, at lower levels, and and all things in between. And, And there's kind of no excuse at this point in time unless they're not making it a priority, which they're clearly not, to, to not be a little bit more proactive about this stuff. And again, you know, thank goodness you did talk about, you know, Akuma's knee attack, uh, standing medium kick um, uh, being altered. And that did help. You know, that that did take the character down, like, just slightly. It wasn't a major change. But stuff like that, like, it acknowledges the problems in the community and helps us fix them and helps us have a better, more fun experience. No one wants to lose to the same crap, like, over and over again that they know is, is dominant. Right, that they know is is basically unfair, and, and it's, it, yeah. And again, we can get into big arguments about what's fair and unfair, like real quickly, and you know, tit for tat on everything. But there also are collective opinions in the community that you you can separate the fact from fiction pretty darn fast. You, you know, know and- it's. Mm-hmm. Another another box that this checks too is like say you do this like every two months or so that's still six times a year that you have something for people to kind of anticipate yes. and enjoy. I was thinking about it yesterday with the way that NRS is, you know, they put out yet another Joker uh, trailer or like his, um, another one of his introductions, just little hints at him, just little breadcrumb trails to keep people excited, to keep the sine wave of hype going. And this would be one more way for Capcom to contact the fans and, and acknowledge them and, and something like I said to look forward to that would be exciting and it would draw attention to your game in a, in a positive way and it would be something to look forward to they need stuff like that and this would be one of those easy things to do yeah and it's again it's not massive overhauls for everyone on the roster that's not realistic that is a lot of time and energy I mean again I'll throw out there how many people have even read through all the patch notes here for season five like and most people have not like it, it's that overwhelming and, and expecting that every two or three months that's just not fair or realistic for developers to do oh and that's the but, knobs changing thing again that's just yeah. that's still crazy yeah and but tweaking the the highest in characters the biggest problems that can be done that stuff can easily be done and maybe you you know with it like we'll evolve maybe to this point of getting maybe the lowest into and try to get everyone more in the middle right but let's just start with the highest because those are the biggest problems those are the biggest impact characters in the game and you start there and you you start just kind of dialing them back just a little bit here and there you know and and, and there it is so, yeah just two frames here the one yep. one setup that has three options is destroying people you go okay maybe make that setup only have two options and yep. see what happens yep and we should not have to wait a year or two or however long for that stuff. That should be coming more frequently. There's really no excuse at this point in time to not have that more often. Not so. if it's a product as a service or however it's built. Yep. And okay, so I'll, I'll throw it out there. Do we suck? 
does the event hubs podcast suck and we're way off base with this you know jump into the comments hit us up on twitter we're definitely interested in hearing you know uh, differing viewpoints on this because we don't think of everything you know we try to go back and forth on this and we're always happy to hear the feedback um we're usually happy to hear the feedback sometimes the feedback's a little <laughs> bit too much but anyway but usually overall I'm, I'm very happy to see it uh we don't respond to everything but we do very typically read this stuff and we factor it in in future stuff so um anyway just want to shout out the people who are responding to us and all that we are definitely reading what you guys have to say um guys and gals and uh and there it is so yes and robots <laughs> yeah all right so i'm going to take over here and drive us into another segment and i don't know i've been thinking about this a lot like a lot of my time in the last couple of days has been spent kind of pacing around my house that's sort of how i brainstorm and talk out loud to myself and my cat and basically what I'm trying to do is figure out where exactly I am in, in Street Fighter V, how I'm feeling, uh, because the things that I react to the most and the things that, I'm, that are weighing on my heart are usually echoed out in the rest of the, the community. Not always, but it's usually a good place to start. And so I'm just trying to figure out where we are, uh, and like it's been kind of dark and rainy. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and especially talking, <laughs> Stephen, Dream King, and I have, have exchanged a few texts now where one of us will play online and then send the other one a just a, this, this hate-filled, seething text about how frustrated <laughs> oh, no. we are. <laughs> and then the other person will just get to laugh and say, ah, that's funny. I know I'm feeling that exactly the next time I jump on and, and vice versa. So that's certainly been a big part of it is the whole net code thing. As a PlayStation 4 user, it's hard for me to go online because one, I have to set it to only PS4. I, I do four to five bar connection. And then of course, it's your hope that it's, you know, in your area. Street Fighter V already not known for having great net code, but now things are even more limited. And it's really been um, a big turnoff. I, I, before I realized that I didn't turn off the um, <laughs> the, the like the cross-platform play, I mm -hmm. was getting PC matches and not realizing it, and then feeling the the woes of, of all of this. But like, it just goes to show you, if you're a PlayStation Four user or a PC mod or a PC user that's not using the mod, it kind of sucks. Like online is invalid for you and. Uh, a lot of people would say, well, online was invalid before. Yeah, but you would definitely still go on and use it. It's where the most matches are clearly going to be being played for this game. And right now, there's kind of an issue. And we didn't have much from Capcom on this, what I think is a huge problem. We talked about it a lot last week. Uh, and except for Ono saying something like a cryptic message, like, uh, what did he say? I grasp the situation. It's like, okay, good. I'm glad, but <laughs> we're probably going to need a little bit more than that. Um, but we, uh, I guess that kind of motivated me and, and us to reach out to Capcom. And they have said that they are aware of the situation and they're looking into it. So it's uh, at the very least, it's not something that's just not being addressed by then. So mm -hmm. That's that's somewhat encouraging, and uh, like I was telling you, it reduces the rain cloud with this a little bit. Yeah, I, I want to jump in actually and just say that I, I really do strongly feel that the PC mod um, paranoia that's going on right now is overhyped. Uh, I don't think there's nearly as many people using this as people would assume. Um, I, I, if you're looking over the threads and whatnot and seeing what people are, are, are doing, they're struggling with even copying the DLLs over that you need to do. It's not hard, but I mean, 
the lack of technical knowledge that most people have with this stuff is super, super, super high. Like you, you can't even believe how many people struggle to like just type in their email addresses into the event hubs like registration thing. We ask you for your email address and I think like a password and like a username. And that's your it. It, it, it. It's like they can't even do that. Like it, it, you would not believe how many times like people just fumbled over that like simple process and whatnot. Um, it, it's like I, even the browsers will automate that stuff for you now. Like they're like, oh, here's a suggested like email address, username, all this other kind of stuff for you. Like you just click a button. People can't even do that. So where I'm going with this is like this requires at least some technical degree of knowledge to do it. And, and, uh, and, and then also um, – going on a Reddit thread and then going to GitHub and going all these other places to get this mod to begin with, even knowing about it and then feeling comfortable about it with all the warnings and other stuff that are out there. Yes, there are people using it. And yes, there are nefarious people using this. But the amount of PC users using it, I think is very small. Uh, I, I think it's a very small part of the population. It is a problem. I'm not saying it's not a problem. And, and you know, we'll get into that here in a second. But um, it, I think the biggest problem the game has is a perception issue. That's what is, I was going to get at. Yeah. And, and regardless, like it may be true what you're saying, but I know that I've experienced some lag that I haven't experienced before. Uh, and, and I can still set it to PS4, and but that's also going to restrict my, my ability to get games, you know. And uh, but But people are thinking about when they're making the choice to go online or not or do something to play Street Fighter online or to play something else entirely or go outside and play there that's going to be an issue and that's going to be a barrier to where we should be exploring champion edition before the tournament circuit starts up we just saw uh, frosty faustings like it's 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 starting to get going we're getting towards the end of january here got about a month Uh, we'll see evo japan uh but they're preoccupied with yeah but the online is bogus and yada 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 and, and and it's like well should i practice right now should i should i invest or is this just kind of a big like Blah, blah, blah fest. And I think it's going to turn off a lot of people. Yeah. And on that note, uh, we have an inside source who has told us uh, that that the team, the development team is taking this very seriously and exploring all options and solutions that they can. You know, it's this is not a a minor issue for anyone involved. And, and it's it's being heavily looked into. I can say that. So um, and we, we've kind of gotten that sense. Again, when you when you see, and uh, I'll just clarify here, our insight source is not Ono, but Ono did go on Twitter um, and say that, uh, you know, like when you see Ono address stuff like this and kind of be uh, pretty um, upset about it and all that, you know it's generally a big deal. Uh, getting much communication from Capcom on pretty much any subject means it's a, a big deal. Um, so, uh, take that as you will. Um, but I would be a bit surprised and I'll knock on wood with that statement that if we don't have a solution here coming up in the, the reasonably near future, um, mm. and, and I don't know what the solution is going to be. I really don't know. Um, like, are we going to see actually improved netcode for the game? You know, are they, they're going to be like, Hey, um, we should have addressed this sooner than we did. Uh, this mod, you know, did something for us or whatnot. Or are they just going to fix like the mod issue where you can't mod the game's netcode anymore? You know, and, and that might be it. It just goes back to how it was. I really don't know at that point. Uh, I would hope, again, they, they take the other path of improving the game's netcode, which badly needs to be done and has been rumored um, for a year or two now. It's it, This game is a service. It is the, the most popular, one of the most popular fighting games that people play online. Uh, they have the tournament mode coming. Updated netcode is a very fair expectation for their fans to have. 
you know, and to it, be to mm-hmm. Capcom's credit, with a lot of these big issues, the input lag, um, a lot of the gameplay mechanics, though not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, of these big problems that the community has expressed over and over and over again, have been attended to. Even if it's been sort of at a kicking and screaming pace, they still have been attended to. Yes. So I have pretty good faith that something, it might just be what you said where they just revert it back to how it was and you just can't use the mod anymore. I would hope also that it's better. But I think that one way or another, a fix is for sure coming, a change yeah. where yeah. online is a little more agreeable than it is now. Yeah, the only way I would see a fix not coming is if um, for, there's some technical hurdle we're not accounting for that like lets this door stay open. But I, I doubt that's going to happen. I, I would put the odds of that as very, very, very low. Um, and you know, and I honestly do think we're getting a netcode upgrade. It just makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm gonna knock on what I don't want to jinx it. Uh, maybe I'm way too optimistic. Um, but just with the tournament edition and how much they've hyped that up and and what they're doing with their pro tour, it just makes a ton of sense for them to do it. And the but, sooner the better, because yeah. you don't want people twiddling their thumbs for too long and giving people a chance to walk away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and you know maybe maybe my my optimistic nature is like yeah it's coming, but it's coming for Street Fighter Six. Like we know that's going to have better netcode, and Ono's already talked about it coming for that game, and maybe that's where it's happening at. But but we'll see. I would expect it would happen there no matter what. Um, yeah, my fingers are crossed that it'll happen for five as well. Yeah. Uh, so so that's a thing. And again, that rain cloud has been reduced a little bit because we've heard back, you know, from Capcom and that, that you know, something's going to happen. So that's that's good at least. Um, the other thing is how is the game playing? What's good? What's strong? And this ties back into the whole tier whoring idea. And uh, we discussed Daigo moving away from both Kage and Ryu just to still play Guile, even though it's been very exciting to see the, you know, Daigo playing these characters that people kind of want him to play. And I'm I'm worried I'm worried that the unga bunga factor that I've come to really dislike in this game isn't going away enough, and that really it's like the new boss is the same as the old boss, and the the characters that are doing super well are going to be doing super well because of unga bunga as opposed to thoughtful neutral into offensive unga bunga. Like that's that's where I would say that Street Fighter Five is, and that's where I would that's that's my meeting them halfway. It's like okay. Once you get in, maybe you have some crazy stuff, but at least make it thoughtful, which sort of sounds sort of like Laura. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you shouldn't just be able to do it from from neutral without much risk when other people have to. And when it's way cooler to see someone whiff punish into a good situation or to, you know, frustrate and manipulate someone into to jumping when they shouldn't, things like that, where you're actually watching the chess game play out instead of, rush punch into V-trigger 1 into 50-50 into the yeah. business into that. Elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by unga bunga. We, we talk about that term a lot behind the scenes. I know it's, it's just do it moves. Circle. There you go. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's where you don't have to take much consideration, where you don't have to think out the process all that much and where the move just tends to work for you. Now, I'm not certain that that's where things are. I'm kind of worried that that's where things will still go. But, like, there was a character last season in Karen that didn't that she was super strong. Her footsies and her offense, once she got in, were so good that they could contest and still win against characters that also just kind of resorted on a combination of footsies and Ongabunga. 
now she's been nerfed a little bit, but other characters have been buffed up. Like Chun-Li is one of those up there that you go, well, maybe she, they say that she plays like third strike, right? Or maybe she can use her, her fast walk speed, her crouching medium kick, which is buffed. The fact that her heavy legs knock down and that's all augmented by she's got really good buttons otherwise. So that really sets up a neutral game really well. Maybe she's able to actually play a neutral game, get the knockdown, and then her rush down afterwards is scary enough where all of that, even though she doesn't just get to be in for free, she can, that, that sequence or that series, that game plan is strong enough to beat the characters that are just going to toss stuff out and be at advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that might be true for more than just Chun-Li. I don't think it is for Kage. I think Kage has to work too hard to be a top tier in the neutral. And like, that's a really sad thing for me. But it, it might be that there are other characters that can get the job done outside of just do-its. Um, but I'm worried. I'm, I'm pretty worried. And so that's kind of where I sit is like, I, and I haven't really been able to explore too much because every time I go online, I'm I, every character is Ungabunga because I can't react to anything. And, and that's its own kind of a thing. So, but I, I guess I'm asking you how you feel when it comes to this particular idea where you see the game at from your experiences, uh, you know, playing... Uh, you know, as a Monot player and watching tournaments maybe differently than I have, uh, do you feel like this is, it's just going to be Unga Bunga and that rules all, or will there be more footsie characters and like where the balance might be at this point? And yeah. Uh, so the, the big thing about it is like, you're not wrong. Like the first thing I want to do is, is validate what you're saying because that's street fighter five, like street fighter five has always got a, a good amount of Unga Bunga in it. Like it's built and baked into the game. Now, how much has it been dialed back? That a is lot. a big question. Yeah, I think since the start of the game, it has. Since the start, yeah, but yeah, not since from, season four. Yeah, from season four to season five, I don't know. And I think it's a little too early to, to quantify that one. I'm like, oh, it's dialed back like 24% or you know whatever type thing. Mm-hmm. Because we're so far early into the season, we have not seen the crazy fully emerge. And is Ibuki going to run out here and just <laughs> completely obliterate the game and be worse than season four Rashid? I'm not saying that's the case. Uh, but I'm I'm throwing it out there as like what if that happens right and, and I mean all of a sudden we're like we're we're looking at this and our, our heads are just you know freaking melting off our our faces are melting off our heads or whatever Indiana Jones yeah. that's where I'm going with that yeah so um my early read on this is I, I do look back at season four and I, I look at the number one and number two players that was Bon Chan and Punk um uh Punk ended up number one you know by like 800 points both playing Karen you know Tokido number three with Akuma, you know, type thing. And I, I never really considered Akuma an Unkabunga character. He definitely had parts of that, but he was hard enough to use. You know, Momochi uh, was playing Zeku, um, uh, Infectious playing Zeku, um, you know, all these other players and whatnot. Like, there was enough variety and enough things where the Ungabunga wasn't destroying the game, even with as good as Rashid, you know, type type yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's a so, good point. That's a good point. Uh, it, so I look at this and I, I do think it's very important, the characters that we play, and I think it's very important that we don't get hung up on can they get the job done? Because we just saw Laura get the job done when no one outside of a handful of people thought she could. And, and poison, oh, poison's garbage. Poison's not even that good of a character. And it's like, no, she's solid. She's definitely, she's not great. She's not, you know, winning everything on her own, but she can she can do enough stuff. And she's very much a control mid-range character that, that really messes you up quite well in that regard. She has rushdown, she has other stuff, but she's mainly messing you up from her mid-range control stuff, right? Yeah. And so I look at that and I go, yeah, this is this all works. Like, I, I, I think it's an uneven sphere, 
you know, like in terms of balance, like you've got some things that are kind of janky and sticking out and all that, but it's still like something you can grab onto and kind of work with and kind of manipulate it where you need it to go. Um, and I do think that it's it's hard for people to get over the ungabunga factors of Street Fighter V because it's so demoralizing. This game is such a roller coaster that when you lose to it, it feels worse than it should. And, and that is a fundamental problem with this game and is why I do kind of agree with just dialing back the Just Do It's overall is a very important part of it. It's why we advocated for, you know, uh, less V-trigger um, activation stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. that's very demoralizing. So when people feel that way, I go, you, when you feel that way, it's not wrong. You're like, you're not wrong when you feel that way. But here's the counterpoint to it where it's like, it's maybe not as bad as it feels, right? That, that would kind of be my, my counterbalancing. So. Do you think that the Ungabunga has been turned down between seasons four and five? Because I think that the footsie and the neutral has been turned up with some of the changes made. I'm just worried that Ungabunga is going to eclipse those and not make it make that like it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, reuse better, but who cares? I hope it has, but I'm not sure it has. I think there's possibilities for it to have been toned down. And I also, but I look at characters like Urian getting better and, you know, Bison, I think he's about the same as he was before. Um, and I don't know why people are sleeping on Bison here in early season five. I'm like, uh, that's pretty much the same freaking character as he was before. What did he lose? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, he's basically more with punishable on his devil dick and on his stand heavy punch. And that's okay. pretty much all he lost. That's not much. And the pros are not often whiffing that stuff in neutral. They're doing it a little bit, but it ain't happening a lot. Not uh, in neutral, and, man. You don't whiff yeah. heavies in neutral at the pro level, yeah. do you? It's and so I I look at this character I still think he's top five and that's an ungabunga mofo right there I I am a, despite having played Bison I am not a fan of that character and how he's designed in this and I would have tweaked him even further uh, and I think he had some other tweaks as well but I mean he's still going to be great right um, so I look at that stuff and I go oh boy I hope the game is better in that regard I think it I think in some instances it is and then some it might be worse and so I don't know how much of a trade up we've done versus a lateral trade. So. I figured your response to that question would be a very soothing yes don't worry about it it oh, is no. better than it was and it's like it's not to say it's fixed by whatever standard you're holding it to but it's better and and but that's not what you said at all. I know I'm uh, sorry. No it's okay it's okay yeah. I just like usually I would assume that that would be more the route you would go with something like this, but like you're and but you're right, you know. And maybe it's like, well, the ungabunga of a lot of the neutral moves has been changed. Like they there because there was ungabunga specials, and then there's or we should just say just do it probably because that's what we've always been saying. There's just do it specials, and there were a lot of just do it normals, and they attended to the just do it normals, which isn't nothing. Um, and, you know, maybe the specials require at least a bar of meter or something to do. So there's that. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, yeah. I, like, you can choose. You can choose to play some awesome with punishing neutral and, you know, and, and dance the footsies dance. But then you can also choose to do the forward-moving EX safe thing. And, ugh. Yeah, I, I think my big takeaway here is that we don't know yet. And I think that if we're too hardcore on either side of like, oh, it's fixed or, oh, it's still completely broken, I think we're probably wrong um, because we have not given the game a fair chance to be what it is. And and that is one thing I agree, actually, um, Capcom's old uh, VP, uh, Capcom USA, 
He said, look, guys, these games are figured out over months and years. They're not figured out over a couple weeks or something like that. Like, it takes a long time for these games to to get to where they're going to be. Um, and you can look at, you know, Street Fighter IV, uh, even from uh, Arcade Edition to Ultra. Um, the game had evolved quite a bit. You know, and, and the meta had grown and whatnot. And a bunch of characters who were previously kind of like garbage, um, they ended up being in a viable spot in that game, um, kind of surprising everyone, right? And, you know, we had newcomers like uh, Elena, Rolento, actually be really good where the history of newcomers in fighting games is usually pretty sketchy at best, you know, especially for Capcom fighting games. Mm. So I, I think the big, my big takeaway from this is like, we don't know yet and it's really okay not to know. And not knowing is kind of a big part of the fun right now. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, I'm calling Monat mid-tier, but did the meta shift enough where, you know, I mean, Sako's still playing her, Infiltration's still playing her. Um, we're seeing a few other people play, still play her. Is she actually a good bit better than I'm giving her credit for it? And I'm doing the classic undersell on my main because I'm seeing all the flaws and I'm not seeing what she's actually is on, you know, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I can't explore the game yet. It's kind of on hold, yeah. on hold because of yeah. the online. So yeah. it's just that that combination of those two things has got me feeling a little bit down about it. But again, Rain Cloud not as big as it was, maybe a little bit. And we will wait and see because we don't have all the information yet. And I can say that uh, I we had a tournament last weekend here in Tucson uh, because uh, Arizona it's just, was lucky enough to be one of the cities that um, was invited to participate in the Street Fighter League amateur online where you know you get a team together and stuff and and I was able to win that so I'm on that team and we've we've developed a whole team and, and such so we'll be playing online again we're like well <laughs> how are we gonna do this you know because uh, because it's online and, and how legit is that but um, that has been a little bit fun we've certainly felt the the dampening effects of the aforementioned stuff uh, on it but you know that, that, that has been cool and I have been having fun with the game um, especially playing locally so there is that and I, I'm really looking forward to what happens at Evo Japan, and I'm really looking forward once the season starts because such a big piece of the puzzle is how the pros handle all of these things and what they do, especially when they're playing against each other, when the money's on the line. If we've been watching a lot more Daigo stream, especially because of FGC Translated, and he's a different person when he's playing in tournament versus when he's playing online and, and when he's learning and when he's you know practicing stuff. He just gets super polished and, and uh, becomes the beast when he goes and plays in tournament a lot of times. So... Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think the Roll Daigo is the one that, that lost to Loopy Fiasco in like, you know, week one of the. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Washed yeah. up. Yeah, there it is. Uh, but speaking of Evo Japan, I wanted to bring up just something that's been turning heads and it is fun to talk about, uh, but it also isn't the, the biggest, craziest <laughs> you know, uh, happening. And uh, hold on, hold on. You said it's fun to talk about. It ain't fun to talk about if you're a Smash player. But yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it's fun. It's even then. It's like it's it's kind of gossipy, and it feels like it's drama, is what I should say. It's drama. So Evo Japan is coming up. It's this weekend, right? We're just a few days away, and they've released their entrant numbers. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate by more than twice second place. Um, is the number one uh, most popular game with 2,987 entrants. Second place is uh, Street Fighter V Champion Edition with 1,462 entrants, which I should also note is about a little more than 400 more than last year. So, hey, the game is, is still growing at Evo Japan. Um, and they also released the prize payouts for these games. For, uh, for 
some of the games, first place, you'll walk away with about $4,500. For the uh, bigger games, first place, you walk away with about $9,000. And then there's second, third, fourth, fifth, and uh, seventh. So top eight gets paid out. But in their biggest game, by twice the second place game, so, uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, you will win only for getting first place a Nintendo Switch Pro Controller with a golden smash mark. And mm-hmm. that's it. And <laughs> you go, it's, uh, this is Evo, and this is the biggest game by a lot, and all they're getting is a controller. That's right there going to, of course, set some people off, and of, of course it is. But it also happens to fall into the politics of the Jesu esports license J- Japanese kind of situation that they have going on. And um, I think that the the prizes have to be, you know, given by the, the developers or, or not given by the developers. I forget the exact, you know, all of the, the legal rules and such, but it's very clearly because of that situation that things are playing out this way. Uh, it's very unfortunate. And this might be a big turnoff for the Japanese community, which there's very clearly a massive presence for, uh, for Smash Ultimate. But I, I, I just felt like it was important to say that this isn't like, I don't think this is Evo's fault and to think oh, yeah. about it appropriately. Yeah, yeah that's it's definitely very important to say that this is not anything on Evo or their staff. Um, they have great staff over there, do a great job. Evo's a great event. Um, it's, uh, if you play Smash and you love Smash, this is just Nintendo being Nintendo. And that's what it comes down to. And I, I honestly, at this point in time, you know, why would you expect anything else? Um, they have some kind of like European uh, pro tour thing going on there for Ultimate, which is like shocking, freaking shocking for most of us. Uh, and we've heard that that's basically um, Nintendo Europe doing their own thing, you know, so to speak, that they're interested in. It, so they're kind of throwing it together. Uh, that's not Nintendo overall making that happen. Um, so it sounds kind of like one offish you know, type thing, which is, you know, hey, that's cool. Um, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago where uh, Smash players got online play, right? Uh, <laughs> so getting anything from Nintendo at all is like kind of like a, a nice bonus and all that. But um, it, I think it just kind of comes with the territory. This is like, this is what you expect from Nintendo. So. Valle went on to Twitter to talk about this a little bit because he's been around obviously for a while and has had some experience with all of these kinds of things and for a while has been you know the best in the world or at least in the U.S. at certain games for, for certain seasons and such. And he noted that Japan for years has limited amounts of prizing. The Alpha 3 World Championship qual- uh, qualifiers had 10,000 players throughout various arcades and game centers across Japan. The winner, Daigo, won a trip to the U.S., to win a jacket and a Ryu stature after beating me in the finals. I won an Alpha 3 machine, an arcade machine. Wow. <laughs> and he said, uh, I also won some keychains as a prize at Battle by the Bay, which became Evo, uh, which was the biggest Street Fighter Alpha 2 event at that time. Um, and he was supposed to win an Alpha 2 arcade cabinet, apparently. Uh, but then during A3 Worlds, he says, I made sure I got the damn thing. So anyways, there's been a history of Japan not necessarily paying stuff out um, uh, like you know, to the same standards and such. I think it, a lot of it has been you know, for pride points in the past. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, like, like SBO being... Uh, I don't know if there's a payout at SBO, if it was just a pride thing, or, or I don't remember the specifics of that. But I've, I've heard this sentiment uh, of, of Japanese tournament and competition uh, culture before. So 
not all that crazy, although it's certainly going to turn heads that Smash, <laughs> with its thousands of entrants, get a controller, and only first place. Yeah, I and to, to cue people in on, I believe, how much arcade units were, were worth back in the day, um, an Alpha 3 machine, I believe like that would be about two or three grand. And oh, with wow. inflation, that would be about $5 billion today. So <laughs> <laughs> somewhere around there. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Oh wow! So Al- Valle's five billion dollar Alpha machine in his in his garage. He should sell that. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I, it's the disparity is there, and it's well documented. I, I think is what you're getting at, and it's just unfortunate, and that's kind of the reality. And it's why you know when we we finally have gotten these opportunities to play fighting games for real life, m- money, you know, changing type stuff, we're jumping at it. And, and, you know, and we're whoring right out to the best we're, characters. We're doing it. And, you know, and again, it just, it's, it, there's, there's validity to it as we talked about, but there's also like, hey, be careful with that because there's plenty of pitfalls with doing that technique as well. Uh, and again, you know, those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it, as they say. So, fair enough. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up on on that very positive and horrible note that if you don't study history, you're going to die. So (laughs) we hope that you study the history. And that means go back and listen to every single Event Hub's podcast because that's what we're getting at completely right there. Uh, That is all the history you will ever need. Uh, Nothing else from like history books or anything like that. Just the Event Hub's podcast. And And tell your friends to do the same. Exactly. Uh, And once again, y'all, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with you soon. Adios.